An 18-month-old boy presents with 24 hours of diarrhoea and vomiting. He has reduced feeding to less than 50% of his normal intake and his mother is concerned he is lethargic. How would you manage this child? My impression would be that this is most likely an acute viral gastroenteritis. Possible sources of an infection include infective gastroenteritis, which can be broken into viral, colonising bacterial, non-colonising bacterial and parasitic. So viral is the most common. Of the viral causes, rotavirus is the most common. There's also norovirus, adenovirus, um, which may also present with respiratory symptoms and conjunctivitis. So you would need to wear PPE for respiratory precautions. There's also astrovirus. So rotavirus, norovirus, adenovirus, adenovirus and astrovirus. There's also colonising bacterial, which is usually foodborne and would usually have blood in the stool. So this would be Campylobacter species, Shigella species, Salmonella species and E. coli, which is aggressive and can present with shock and hemolytic uremic syndrome. Non-colonising bacterial often has no blood and would include Staph aureus, Bacillus cereus and parasitic is more likely to be chronic and includes Giardia lamblia, Cryptosporidium parvum, Amoeba histolytica. Extraintestinal infections include sepsis, appendicitis, UTI and other infections. Other differentials I'd consider include failure to thrive, IBD, which is very common in this, uncommon in this age group, but is something to keep in mind. It could also be cow's milk protein intolerance, which is more common, more commonly in a younger child. I would also consider surgical causes of acute abdomen, such as intussusception. My approach to the situation would be to conduct an initial assessment to assess for hemodynamic stability and, if necessary, proceeding with emergency resuscitation and stabilisation. I would then conduct a targeted history, examination in, and investigations to firstly confirm gastroenteritis, secondly assess the severity of dehydration and complications and thirdly to exclude differentials. My management would be to would largely be supportive, um, replacing fluids and electrolytes as well as parental education. As part of my A to E assessment, I would want to assess whether the child was toxic and then conduct a rapid assessment to exclude severe dehydration or electrolyte imbalances. If required, urgent resuscitation with 20 mils per kilo bolus of IV normal saline would be administered. As part of the assessment of the patient, on history, I'd want to ask about symptoms of acute viral gastroenteritis enteritis, so diarrhea, vomiting, fever, abdominal pain, anorexia, headache, myalgia. I would also want to know about input and output, so input feeding, um, whether it's they're feeding well or not well, breastfeeding, formula, solids, diary uh, output, so I'd want to know about the diarrhea and the vomiting, so diarrhea, I'd want to know the time frame, the character of the diarrhea, whether it's bloody or mucousy, the quantity, so the number of nappies, whether there's blood in the stool, which would actually suggest a non-viral cause, um, likely to be bacterial. I'd ask about red currant jelly um, type of blood, uh, stools, which is a late sign of intussusception. Um, blood can also suggest IBD. I would also ask about fever, as a high fever is more characteristic of a non-viral cause. 
of my history, I would then be asked, trying to rule out differentials. So extra-intestinal infections, such as meningitis, which would present with a fever, altered level of consciousness and meningeal signs. A bacterial sepsis would, would present with alterations in the vital signs. Pneumonia would have fever and respiratory distress. UTI may have suprapubic or flank tenderness, dysuria, urgency, frequency. Otitis media may have ear pain and hearing loss. Other differentials to exclude would be obstruction due to intussusception or volvulus. Uh, so asking about bilious vomiting or vomiting without diarrhea, any distension or severe abdominal pain. Mallory Weiss tears would be bloody vomit but is usually due to other medical conditions like cerebral palsy. Pyloric stenosis may lead to projectile vomiting. I would ask also on history about risk factors, so whether the child is unvaccinated or immunosuppressed, any infectious contacts, potentially due to daycare or travel. And then I would conduct a general paediatric history, uh, going through a systems review, Asking about past medical history, such as medications, allergies, and immunizations. Uh, an obstetric and pediatric history and any parental concerns. Importantly, asking about rotavirus vaccination. On examination, I would want to assess for toxicity in the child, including their vital signs. Um, A for arousal, alertness, or level of activity. Um, checking for breathing difficulties such as tachypnea or increased work of breathing. Um, checking their colour, whether they're pale or mottled, whether they have good circulation or not. Checking their peripheries for temperature and their capillary time as well, capillary refill time and their cry. So whether it's weak or high pitched. D would be for decreased fluid intake, so less than half of normal or decreased urine output which is fewer than four wet nappies a day. Uh, after the assessment for toxicity, I would check their hydration status, um, which includes an assessment of whether it's normal, mild, which is less than 4%, moderate, which is 4 to 6%, or severe, which is greater than or equal to 7%. I would then conduct a general pediatric examination, checking their growth parameters and the state of their health whether they've reached their developmental milestones. I would then conduct an abdominal examination, checking for tenderness. If there were any signs of bowel obstruction, I would expect a hyperactive, hyperactive bowel sounds and distension. Investigations are usually not required as it is a clinical diagnosis. Indications to pursue investigations would be if the child had bloody stools, significant abdominal pain in neonates and in immunocompromised children. Diagnostic investigations would be a stool MCS and OCP, so overcysts parasites. Laboratory investigations may include EUCs and BSLs when starting IV fluids potentially FBC blood cultures or urinalysis if unsure of the focus of the infection. Imaging may only be indicated where there are red flags, such as suggestion for bowel obstruction, which may require an abdominal x-ray, or signs of intussusception, which would require an abdominal ultrasound, and appendicitis, uh, which may require a CT. Management of this child would be um, 
determining the disposition, they would be admitted if there were signs of shock, severe volume depletion, failed oral rehydration, intractable or bilious vomiting, neurological abnormalities, any possible or any possibility of an alternate severe diagnosis such as obstruction. Management is largely supportive, focusing on rehydration. So oral rehydration is preferred and many cases can be managed effectively with just oral rehydration. Um, I would suggest an oral rehydration solution such as gastrolyte, hydrolyte, pedialyte and aim for 10 to 20 mils per kilos of fluid over one hour. Um, it's important to note that lemonade, homemade oral rehydration solutions and sport drinks are not appropriate fluids for rehydration. I would want to stop any feeding f feed fortification such as extra scoops of formula or polyjuul. Encourage the parents to find methods to help the child drink, such as a cup, an icy pole or a syringe, small amounts often. I would recommend that the parent continues to breastfeed and early feeding and usual diet once they're rehydrated. Uh, if oral rehydration was not possible, then nasogastric rehydration can be used. So nasogastric rehydration is a safe and effective way of rehydrating most children with moderate dehydration, even if the child is vomiting. Uh, most will stop when the nasogastric tube is inserted. Uh, this is preferred over IV and can be rapid or slower depending on the context. IV rehydration would only be indicated if the child was not tolerating oral rehydration or if they had severe dehydration, a failed NG rehydration or if they already had an IV in situ. Uh, so as part of supportive management, that, that's rehydration. Uh, you would also consider the use of antiemetics, which you would use if the vomiting continued. You could consider ondansetron wafers, but this is not recommended for children less than six months or less than eight kilos. I would also consider uh, adding on probiotics and zinc supplements, as some studies have shown that this reduces the duration and severity. I would closely monitor the child, bear weighing, bear weighing the child every six hours in moderate and severe dehydration, or if they were receiving NG tube rehydration or if they were receiving IV fluids and then I would regularly reassess the fluid status of the child measuring input and output and adjusting rehydration appropriately. It's important to note that anti-motility and anti-diarrheal agents have little role to play in acute gastroenteritis in infants and children. So following supportive management follow-up would be so discharge criteria would be um, a diagnosis of gastroenteritis or if the child is rehydrated and ongoing gastrointestinal losses are not profuse or if the child passed urine in the ED or within the last four hours. Education and follow-up would be parental education and providing a fact sheet uh, recommending that they have GP review within 48 hours and safety netting, so letting them know that they should seek medical advice for deteriorating clinical status or for any worrying symptoms and signs.